0: And welcome back to the Traveling Honor Radio Show, Ian Fitzpatrick along with Tanya Fitzpatrick, and you're listening to music from African Reggae, Puntamayo's newest release. Uh, Punta Puntamayo is the official official music sponsor of the Traveling on Radio show and remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest information on the show and our travels and don't forget to visit www.travelin-on.com for the latest travel news information and travel specials there you can also sign up to receive our bi-weekly newsletter the cultural connector which previews upcoming shows and culture is the operative word as we are talking to Ricky Stevenson of Black Paris Tours, and Ricky, it's good to talk to you. I, I know that you and Tanya in the first segment covered a lot of ground, but uh, just happy to be speaking with you uh, after.
1: Ricky and I are old friends. Yeah, <laughs> really, like girlfriends chatting. Hi, uh, salut, Ian.
0: <laughs> salut, salut. <laughs> Coucou, ça va? Ça va bien. Comme si comme ça. Très bien.
1: Uh, uh, merci. <laughs> no, it's, fun. <laughs> it's absolutely fun. I'm so proud of both of you and what you're doing. Uh, uh, thank you so much. We have to understand how important it is for us to travel, not yeah. just as black Americans, but as Americans. I think it was Mark Twain who said, you know, we've got to overcome bigotry and stale mm-hmm. in society, and the only way you can do that is by getting out. Of your country, your city, your neighborhood, and uh, Mark Twain said that. Can you believe that? Yeah, well,
0: you know, and, and we actually quote that. him in our in our uh, biweekly newsletter. It's one of my favorite quotes. That's where I got that from? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ricky, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, clearly with with sometimes branding things as black or African American, some see that as a limitation, but Black Paris is really about black culture and and that African American experience there from a from a broader perspective and so folks of all stripes could certainly benefit from from uh, taking your trip, could you kind of speak to some of, the, some of the upside as you see for cross-cultural participation and looking at Paris from a, from a different perspective, such as the one you have?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, my tour, Blind Paris Tours, was named in honor of Aslanda good Robeson, who was married to Paul Robeson. And when they lived in Paris in the 30s, she did a guide for Crisis Magazine, Magazine of the NAACP called the Black Paris Guide, so it was only fitting because she worked to bring Africans, West Indians, African Americans, whites, blacks, everybody. She worked to bring everyone together to begin talking to each other in the 30s, and that's essentially what my tour is about. I have, <laughs> I have predominantly. African American guests, but I have African guests. I have Chinese who call. Do you speak Chinese? I'm like, oh shoot, no. <laughs> but um, my tour covers not just the last 200 century, uh, 200 years, but actually I go back into the history of France from when the first Africans were there. I always talk about we were there before everybody. You, know, you look on your map and and you say, Hey, wait a minute! Now, uh, uh, France is just up the street from Africa. The only thing that divides it is the the uh, Mediterranean. The first city in France is Marseille. Mm-hmm. We used to always read about. County Cullen went to Marseille. Frederick Douglass went to Marseille. Langston Hughes, Allen Allen Locke. It was all of the Harlem Renaissance writers went to Marseille. Why? It took me a long time to get there but I said now I get it Marseille was essentially the New Orleans of Ah it was it is to this day the most africanized city in France they call it Africa North it's fascinating it's sunny it's warm it's 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 um it's something you have to experience it's a city a beautiful city that you have to experience and so that kind of you in when you see the number of Africans in Marseille, then you go, Wait a minute. Or I have guests who come to Paris, and they were like, Wow, we didn't know that there were African people here. So, our history is is, is so deep there. Um, Africans came not as enslaved people, we came first as circumnavigators, as explorers. We came teaching the French methods of farming, methods of animal husbandry. We taught them building methods. I had two incredible black historians, doctors Wade and Vera Nobles, who came, and as they moved around doing the tour with me, they pointed out different symbols in the wrought iron work. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Nobles said, this is an Adinkra symbol. This came from this part of Africa. This is an Amande symbol. These were blacksmithing people. And she said, the French, you know, there's the relationship of, of teaching. And they probably just said, we don't know the whole story, but we like it. Even mm. the, the most prominent monument in Paris today, other than we all know about the Eiffel Tower and the Arc de Triomphe, but um, the obelisk that sits in the very center of their most, you know, lauded... Place Concorde was brought from the temple at Thebes in Luxor.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And it is the place where they have all of their military parades.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I I have to stop myself because I could go on. But let me just say one little story. It was funny. There was a black architect who worked with the Asian American, the Chinese American architect, I.M. Pei, when they mm-hmm. uh, redid the Louvre.
0: That's right. Light
1: into the bottom of the Louvre. Well, one day I got on the elevator at the Louvre, and there was a a, a, ma- a young man who was from um, Algeria, and he said, come over here, come over here. He said, get on the elevator. And it was a beautiful pedestal elevator. He said, our cousin built this. I said, <laughs> our cousin? He says, yes, the black architect. His name was Harmon. Go look him up. And so it was David, I think his first name is David or Charles, David Harmon, who was the second architect, I.M. Pei, and who had to actually make the whole pyramid that's in the very center of the Louvre to that's bring right. light into the Louvre. He had to make it work. Pei says, this is what we'll do. Harmon had to make it work. And he
0: didn't. Mm. Now it's interesting that, uh, that a museum like the Louvre has, has that history that you touch on. I spent some time in Paris in the mid-90s when I was a graduate student at the University of Michigan and spent about two weeks there doing, uh, some consulting work for a company that had sponsored us and I was struck at the time by by what I perceive to be the the different strata that were so apparent in uh, Paris, and as I can recall, spending time walking through the city and and, and seeing uh, many Africans relegated to uh, working sanitation, it just made me wonder about the place of blacks overall in in Paris and the hierarchy there. And I'm and I'm wondering how how things look from your perspective as an American art are we seeing blacks in, in a more significant role in, in, in French society in, in general?
1: Yes, and I have um, the election of President Obama's had a major impact. But in 2000, President Jacques Chirac instituted what they call positive action. Mm-hmm. It was to bring Africans more into the fore. But wait, let me tell you what happened. In 1998, it's like there were... This was when they commemorated the 150th anniversary of the end of enslavement in in the French, and the French colonies. And there were massive demonstrations, colloquiums. There were so many things going on and people marching in the streets. We were told to bring chains and drag them in the streets. And people started saying, we're tired of this, we're tired of this. But what has happened is that Africans have come from the continent and uh, fleeing um, life there and kind of, you know, got comfortable and said, okay, well, we're here now, but not making demands. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens, nothing changes until you begin making demands. And now there are organizations. There's a group that's very much like the NAACP called Khan, C-R-A-N, and they are now saying, we want this. They're, um, in 2005, there were the, um, we call them the uprising, of young people saying, we're sick of this and we're not going to take it anymore. But for mm-hmm. the most part, folks have been kind of like, oh, hum. you know, and, well, and in a way, angry, it's like a double-edged sword. They see African-Americans and they're proud of us, and yet they're angry that we have moved forward. So hmm. Now you feel more of a unification. It's like, oh, we're, before I'd see someone on the street and i speak to them, and they might not speak. Now it's like, oh, bonjour, madame. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and I speak, I train my child. You speak to their people who have jobs on our street. They, they same men, been cleaning clean the street all for years mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. speak to these brothers. And Absolutely. they can tell they tell me everything that's happening in my neighborhood <laughs> what mm-hmm. to look out for i mean they are i consider them my protectors and mm-hmm. so things are getting better let me give you another example there's a young man who i, I came to work with me black paris tours he was one of my tour leaders uh, serge Noque born in benin raised and educated in france went to graduate school at xavier university a man firmly grounded in three cultures, and came back to um, came back to France uh, as a result of Hurricane Katrina. Could not find the you know the job that was I felt was fitting for his education, and looked and looked and looked. Well, in January, just January of this year, after Obama is elected, Serge Noquet was hired by the French Foreign Service, and he is now a diplomat in training. Um, first post to Brazil. And so as we talked about this and I felt like my baby is leaving, you know it's it's he's saying Ricky, this could not have happened and it's that we have to fight together.
0: Absolutely now Ricky we we ha- we really didn't even touch on some of the the con- historical and contemporary figures who have made Paris their home and we'll we'll have to save that for um, for another show. Um, but I, I wanted you to to just briefly share. You told me a story about uh, the relationship between Bessie Coleman, who's one of my heroes, yes. and Josephine Baker, and I just wanted you to to share a little bit of uh, of that story because those are uh, on your tour. You actually take people to some of the off the beaten path. Uh, places around uh, Paris, and I know well, that uh, Bessie Coleman's uh, home there. Um, well, actually, or just she didn't have. She uh, she came
1: from Chicago in 1920, and she went up to a town in the kind of like up uh, in the north north of Paris, and that's where she learned to fly. And she was the first person in the United States to get her pilot's license. Mm-hmm. the first woman, the first person. And this story is so long, I'm, t- I'm going to try to hold myself back. Well,
0: you, you, you have 30 seconds, my dear.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, in any <laughs> case, let tell it quick. I take my guest to the place where Bessie Coleman had to go to pick up her pilot's license, uh, National Federation Aviation. And what had happened was Bessie Coleman going back and forth between Chicago and Paris and Josephine Baker, who had come to Paris in 1925, um, and uh, what had happened was Josephine Baker met Bessie Coleman in Chicago when Josephine Baker was part of a play, a, a musical, um, chocolate Dandy, Yubi Blake, Noble thistle and um, she met her there, and what would happen was when Bessie Coleman died in 1926, she would become one of Josephine Baker's he rose, she rose as well. And so Josephine Baker in nineteen thirty four would be the first entertainer in Europe to get her pilot's license
0: fly
1: oh. herself to her own concert dates. And then we all know that she became a spy for the French resistance during <laughs> World War II. So she would use her her capability as a pilot to help win that war.
0: And I think that I I love that story and and I thank you for for sharing that and I thank you for coming on our show today okay. um and <laughs>